Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 30, Act 2, Dale Davis, Artist, Educator, Champion, recorded November 2nd, 2019 in New York City. So damn tired of waiting on a perfect A plus B. The one size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now Now they say it's all decided All divided, all laid out And the pushcart man with a three-part plan Can't understand what you're shouting about But when the past they plow The lives allowed are the only roads you can see Just remember the walls were built to fall For people like you and me Let's start it up now Let's start it up now Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Hey, hey, TA community. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of our global community. Help us spread the word about the podcast and tell a friend or a colleague to subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast player. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And now we have a pod shop. Go to teachingartistry.org slash pod and buy yourself a, a t-shirt, a mug, a tote bag, a hoodie. Just shop to your heart's content. Happy Teaching Artist Appreciation Week. Teaching artists are some of the best people I know. So much so that I started a podcast. <laughs> You care deeply about the communities and individuals you work with. And now historically, this week is usually about highlighting the strong artistic and creative work and community engagement of you special human beings. The 2020 Teaching Artist Appreciation Week has a heaviness to this celebration as this pandemic has negatively impacted teaching artists from severe loss of revenue streams to the loss of community anxiety for the future, and potentially feeling creatively blocked. I know that there have also been some amazingly positive things that have come out of this. And I think that this week actually comes at a good time, a good time to mark what we have done and what we are doing and what we will do. This week can remind others of how essential the arts are and that creative This creative community naturally dreams up new possibilities for breakfast. Let's use this week as a way to commit to using the arts as an inventive tool to imagine a post-pandemic future, answering the question that I've recently been mulling over and have heard from very um, scholarly people like Sean Jinwright. Who do we want to become? We here at Teaching Artistry Podcast say a resounding thank you. Now let's get to work. The Teaching Artistry Podcast is partnering with Creative Generation for a new video series on YouTube called Keep Making Art. 
there are already about 20 episodes out and more to come. Through this partnership, we are exploring how creatives are making and sharing art and or they're guiding or advocating for others to make and share art in this COVID-19 pandemic. Watch and subscribe to the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body YouTube channel. Now, Keep Making Art has been a chance for me to talk with field leaders, with amazing artists and teaching artists who are committed to our communities having equitable access to creative expression and art making. Take a listen to some snippets of these guest conversations. I'm really excited about our guest today. I haven't seen him in forever. And now I get to be a good one and a half feet away from Ty Defoe. How are you? How are your family doing? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing all right. You know, um, I've been on lots of Zoom calls and artist jams and um, a lot of virtual talking circles in my community. Um, mm. And in the community, there was an elder who was talking about using this time and using the time as a gift, which I thought was essential advice. So um, everybody is doing great and sort of in lieu of what's going on, using that gift to create uh, joy and some kind of happiness while at the same time preserving things for others. Help me welcome Preeti Vasudevan. Hi, Preeti. Hi, Courtney. How are you? Great. <laughs> really great. Um, tell me, how are you and your family doing during this time of COVID-19? Wow, I feel like we're the biggest roller coaster. You know, some of them are thrilling rides and some of them we throw our arms up in the air and we scream. And now let's get to our first and only guest for today, Dr. Jennifer Katona. Hi, Jen. Hi, Courtney. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good. Thank you. <laughs> today I got to take a big old long walk and that felt great. Good to get outside. Um, yeah, how are you and your family doing? We are good. We are hunkered down in Connecticut. It's my husband and I and our three kids. Mm. So having a two-year-old is like having a live squirrel in your house, but we're good. <laughs> the cute squirrel. <laughs> He's a cute squirrel. He's a yeah. cute squirrel. So let's get to our guest for today, Ali Santana. Hi, Ali. Hey, Courtney. How, how are you, you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. I went for a major walk today, which felt amazing. It's good to get out the house. Sure is, sure is. How are you and your family doing? We're doing good. Uh, we're hunkered down and just trying to stay healthy. Um, my five-year-old is out of school, so a lot of energy is spent homeschooling and entertaining him. Let me introduce you to our guest for today, Sophia Cheyenne. Can you tell everybody how you identify as a, an artist? Yes, I identify as a performance artist. Um, you know, theater maker, singer, dancer. I am super excited to introduce our international guest. My first one, I'm excited. Let's welcome Andy Packer. Help us understand what is your, uh, your role in, in arts and, and how do you identify as an artist? Yeah, so I'm a, a theater director and I'm the artistic director, founding artistic director of a company in Adelaide in South Australia uh, called Slingsby. So I, I lead the company and I direct all of the company's work. This person is uh, somebody I would consider a family, a relative, a cuz, if you will. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, his name is James Miles. What's up, James? Tell everybody, what kind of artist are you and what role do you have in this field? Great question. So my artistry, you know, I started as an actor, uh, improviser, and, and general around funny man. I think my artistry as an educator is hip hop education. Uh, and my role now is currently the executive director of an organization in Seattle called Arts Corps. Now, let's get to our guests. I have more than one. In fact, I have three. Count them. One, two, and three. So let's meet our guests. We've got Jennifer DeBella, we've got Kim Olson, and we've got uh, our good friend Shoba Kabanakudio. Can we go around and have you uh, just say your, your name and the role that you play within arts education? Sure. Hey everybody, I'm Jennifer DeBella. I'm the Director of Education at Roundabout Theater Company, and I'm also the co-chair of the Board of Directors for the New York City Arts and Education Roundtable. Hi everyone, I'm Shoba Kavanakudio. I'm the Director of the Graduate Program in Educational Theater at the City College of New York and uh, board co-chair for the New York City Arts and Education Roundtable. Hi everyone, my name is Kimberly Olson and I am the managing director of the New York City Arts and Education Roundtable. Ty DeFoe. I know that because you do work in many different mediums um, and we've been home for now four and a half to five weeks, what have you been able to work on or how have you been sharing your art? Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, is it, has it been that long? And um, yeah, I have been um, doing things like um, writing so much poetry, doing daily drawings, having virtual talking circles and check-in and the exchange of work. Um, I've been doing other things. I'm, I told someone recently, I'm like, wow, we should all be like um, warrior sort of artists as it relates to what we're creating, because it's like, you have a, a, a basket and you're filling that basket with all these beautiful gems of inspiration, these things that and offerings to the world. And so that's sort of I, what I feel like I've been doing most recently, been doing a lot of uh, yoga, live yoga classes with all those amazing teachers out there um, and connecting with artists in a new way. So that's something that I've been doing inside um, and also making little animation videos uh, through the All My Relations Collective, these collective of artists that have are dedicated to working with each other and also uplifting messages about the earth. Sophia Cheyenne, what were you working on prior to needing this, for all of us needing to stay home and, and physically distance? Yeah, so I was um, up in um, New Hope, Pennsylvania at Bucks County Playhouse. Uh, we were teching a show called Otherworld and it was supposed to be its world premiere. Uh, it's a new musical that I've been on the team, creative team for like two, about two years, almost three years now. So it was a new musical called Otherworld. Otherworld is um, an adventure musical. It's, it's a new uh, story really about um, connection, family, uh, loss, love, so many beautiful human themes to it, but uh, at the core of it, it's really about human connection and how human connection can truly um, make us better people, change us, 
and uh, make the world a better place. So it's really fun. It's also like got a great diverse cast. There's people from all sorts of walks of life, different ages, different ethnicities and cultures. Um, and it really speaks to that in, in the story as well, which I love and I'm very proud of. It's really uh, about a, a group of gamers and it's the backdrop of this story is a video game. And, um, and humans get sucked into the video game and then they have to find their way out. So it's very fun. Um, it's epic, huge, adventurous, the costumes, the design, I, the story is just really, uh, I think, world changing. It's never been told before. And I'm just so proud to be a part of it. That first song is um, all of the gamers sort of getting into the game and playing and you see like the the bolts of lightning coming at you and we're all just having fun like in our gamer mode sort of right. idea. So yeah, it's it's really fun. It was, um, it was, it, it's always a great time when we're rehearsing and we're doing the show. Uh, we got right up to our first preview night and um, Pennsylvania had at that point like started closing down their restaurants and their bars. And um, I think like a, the day before that it was March 13th, um, Broadway was closed and that was, that was the big, that was the big teller of, yeah, we're going to have to postpone and, and put a pause on this story right now. Andy Packer, how are you creating or making art now? Yeah. So at the moment we, uh, because we're, we, we can't be in a room together and being in a room together, both as a theater maker with an audience is key. Uh, but also as a collaborative theatre maker, being in the space is very, very important. Um, so at the moment, we're, we're not really able to achieve that. So we have uh, developed something to take us online, uh, which, is, uh, which is a project which we call Slingsby by Request, uh, yeah. as distinct to uh, Slingsby On Demand. Uh, and so with this, uh, with this project... <laughs> We, uh, we really wanted to find a way to value the work and also find a way in this time where a lot of artists are finding that gigs cancelled to generate income for the artists that collaboratively worked with us to make this work. And so Slingsby by Request is a way specifically focused at the moment to education and to schools. So, uh, so schools are able to uh, sign up for Slingsby by request, and uh, there's a there's a sort of three different ways, three different levels to buy into it. So it means that we're generating income. So people get one week's rental of our show Emil and the Detectives, which was supposed to be touring around the U.S. right now. So that's why we decided to work with this show uh, in the first instance for Slingsby by request, and then they get uh, tiered levels of education resources as well. Uh, from just uh, our standard education resources, which are pretty comprehensive anyway. Uh, and then the next level, uh, if you pay a little bit more, then you get uh, access to a whole lot of videos of the creative team talking about the work. And then the third level, access all areas, you get all of that plus a, uh, a live Q&A talk back with myself and one of the artists that made the work. So... Um, and what's been great for us, actually, is that this has given us time as a company to investigate and invest in making uh, some video of the creative team talking about the process, talking about what, what makes our work distinctive, 
and uh, and what the role of each artist is in that collaborative process, but also what's the job of an actor, what's the job of a director, what's the job of a composer, um, and and what is our process uh, in coming together to to make that work. So it's been a really great opportunity for us to actually have some time to do that, uh, and it's been very um, very in house. I I, <laughs> I was DOP sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and editor, so, um, and talent at times. <laughs> so, uh, but it's actually been really great. It's shown us that we can do this. And it, it uh, I think post, post this experience we're all passing through, um, we may even continue to deliver Slingsby by request. And the reason we, we made it not by demand, on demand, mm. and people could just go and buy it and click it and not communicate with us, is we wanted to replicate it as closely as possible the experience of buying a ticket and coming to the theatre. And, uh, and so this, is, this allows us to build a relationship with the schools and with the oh. students, um, which is really important to us. Preeti Vasudevan, what are you all working on or able to work on? Well, actually, the, the, the whole coronavirus and the pandemic uh, initiated something very quickly for us, uh, which is we do a lot of social impact work. And we have a whole uh, virtual website where we talk about dancing. Um, and then we realize that one of the things that connects all of us globally are stories. You know, we love stories, old, new, like even right now we're story, storytelling to each other. And it always changes people for the better. Uh, so we thought we'd build a website which shares stories. Um, this one, especially coming from the Indian subcontinent because that's home for me, but then it can branch into something more universal. Um, I brought in a lot of different collaborators, composers, illustrators, um, story researchers, um, and we've created now, it's our third week running, so we're still like babies, um, of, of releasing a new story every Wednesday. It's called the Red Curtain Project. And each uh, story is, is thematic, so the three stories that form a series. Our first series now is from Buddhism, about compassion, uh, and it's about animals outwitting humans, which is, I think, what's happening to us now. <laughs> you know? um, so uh, the first story we created is called The Clever Antelope. It's about how, you know, a clever antelope outwits a hunter. Uh, it's it's uh, all ages friendly. So we just think that everybody's at home with families and before we're all like zoomed out or zombied out and all of that, something fun is good to see how artists come together to create something, like what happens, what you don't see backstage, you know? Mm -hmm. And also we made it interactive. So we want you to tell stories. Like, you know, we're giving you tools as storytellers and saying, okay, you're equally capable of being storytellers. Um, why don't you roll up your sleeves and you send us back a story? So we're hoping that with enough, like, you know, publicity or people liking it, we would get people just recording at home. It's not, it doesn't have to be professional. Just being inspired and then sharing the story so that we can create a library of storytellers from around the world who've been inspired by a kind of storytelling. Let's welcome Andy Sandberg. How can the Hermitage start thinking about how it can use its resources potentially right. uh, for artists to have empowerment to think about how we make some change. As we come back and we rebuild those partnerships and those programs, a lot is about seeing, um, you know, taking each other's temperature. What are we comfortable doing together? And then of course, 
what is our community? What are our constituents? What are our audiences comfortable doing? And how can our artists engage with them in new ways? You know, we're a lot of what we've been questioning and looking at are, um, let me frame this saying, I don't think any of us know month to month. We have contingency plans for A, B, C, D, but we can map them all out in detail and we are, but we're probably still gonna end up in Z12. Um, so I, I think we don't, we know how we feel right now. I don't think any of us know exactly how we're gonna feel six weeks from now, six months from now, a year from now, and what the situation's gonna be. There's so many unknowns. But what we are exploring and the question that's coming up a lot is what is this digital interaction and where is it healthy? Where is it working? Where is it not? You know, where are we just jumping on it to do something? You know, I, I have been able to engage with our artists at a deeper level than I have been. I only started actually here at the Hermitage at the start of the year. So I'm relatively new. I was from New York and I, have gotten to know so many more of our alumni just in recent weeks through conversations and things like this. And it's interesting and exciting to see all the different ways people are reacting. Um, some are diving into their work like this is the time that we have to generate the most content. Some are writing about this situation. Some are avoiding it and writing only happy joy joy things or creating happy joy joy things as I call them. And some are um, trying to explore new ways to collaborate. Some are going inward as they might do when they're here at the Hermitage because they have this kind of isolated time to think and process. Uh, I think everybody is trying to just find their own best, most healthy, sane way to do this. Um, and uh, that's been really interesting. And we're trying to raise the questions about how can we work together, not with a pressure of we must, you know, we need this from you, but can we find the right way to engage our community, to engage students, to engage fellow artists. How can we support that? Um, and how can we give you the space and support to do that? So that was a long-winded way of saying, uh, I don't think any of us have a clear answer, but I'm excited by the possibilities and also still trying to gauge and learn myself what I think is, um, effective and what's not and uh, you know we're we're having constant dialogue about that among our staff our board and our artists dr jennifer katona how can artists be activated in this moment to really affect impact um and, and and ignite the kind of change that we actually know we need that that if this moment <laughs> doesn't tell us in terms of policy making then we, I think we're lost. Yeah. So what, it, what do yeah. we do? <laughs> so the big thing coming out of this is going, and, I, and I've said this a few times in a few different platforms, the big thing coming out of this is going to be the socio-emotional needs of our kids. And we see these in memes and all, you know, we'll catch your kids up on math and science and reading. We can't catch them up on the socio-emotional part of this quarantine there are, I mean, we could throw facts and figures and numbers at our administrators to tell them how th that is the arts. All the biggest hole that our kids are going to come back with can be filled with the arts, 100%. So I think that our artists, our culturals, our teaching artists need to kind of get on that same page and be ringing that bell. You know, we saw it after 9-11. We were both in the city at 9-11. 
we've seen it if we look to um, New Orleans after the hurricane, after Katrina, we know that the arts communities are what brought the people back. Um, you know, construction workers and things brought the buildings back, but we brought the people back. That's what we do, right? We are the heart. We are students and studiers of empathy, of walking in someone else's shoes, of finding um, the compassion. If we don't need that now, I don't know when we need it. So I think that, you know, it's, Unfortunately, I think administrators and people who have numbers think of things pretty black and white. Um, and when we go in with, but we're the heart, I do think that that sometimes isn't the argument that's gonna win us the battle. But I think if we can talk about um, that, those children don't have a chance in the math class if they're still, if they're, you know, if their brains are not there yet, if, they're, if their emotional states are not there yet. So, you know, it's a hard time. We Right before this happened, we've been seeing trends of schools building wellness rooms and just like take a break rooms because yeah. the socio-emotional needs of our students was finally starting to be part of the conversation. So I think we need to grab hold of that, mm. remind people that, that that's not changing. In fact, it's ever more. Um, and we're the solution. And I think if we can come at it from a place of let us solve that problem for you. Let me introduce you all to Dr. Sean Jenright. I'm doing these interviews from, for the, my new book. And one of the premises in the book called Pivot is a pivot from a life of hustle to flow. And, and that, that it means that we have to decouple our, our culture and our decouple our spirit from what capitalism does to us. And what capitalism does is that it commodifies our humanity mm. and it, and it, and it tells us that we value a human being by what a human being can earn or produce. And what that does is that it, 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 it shapes our day, it shapes your day, Courtney, because you have hella to-do list, you're on calls, you are, if you weren't in shelter in place right now, you probably had 10 meetings today and 10 tomorrow, and we are just on this ongoing frenzy of a life that doesn't allow us to reflect and think about and dream and imagine what we want. So this pivot from hustle, from, from hustle to flow means that we slow down and that that slowing down roots us in our indigenous wisdom in ways that can bring to bear contemporary problems. But if we don't slow down, guess what we do? We continue to borrow the tools that created the damn problem in the first place. So uh, the interview that I was just in uh, his name is Ben McBride. He's brilliant. You should have him on your show. Um, he said that, uh, it's just a, an amazing story. He said, Ben McBride said um, that there's this story about how people, you know, years and years ago used to build cathedrals. And when they would start building a cathedral, they built it because they knew it would take, they would build it with the knowledge that it would take a hundred years to complete. And his question was, what kind of mind does it take to start building a cathedral that they know that they will never step foot into? They had a mind that was decoupled from capitalism because they knew that they can start something that the next generation would pick it up, the next generation would pick it up, and then finally the next generation would be able to enjoy the magnificence of something that they created 100 years ago. So the question I think for us and the question that he poses is, what are we working on? 
that we don't expect to see in our lifetime, but that a hundred years from now, our children will say thank you. And so I think that is the role of a healer. That is the role of an artist. That is the role of our justice movements. Our, our role is not only to react to what's in front of us, but to lean into a courageous imagination of what we want. And that is, that's not, you know, I know it sounds fluffy, but this is what social change is about. This episode is the last installment of a partnership with Association of Teaching Artists, where we interviewed the 2019 ATA Award recipients. FYI, nominations for the 2020 ATA Awards have opened up this week. So check out ATA's website or Facebook page for more information. And did you know that as a founding member of Association of Teaching Artists, that Dale Davis was a part of starting Teaching Artist Appreciation Week? Whoa. Yeah, Dale Davis is an artist educator, and she's very interested in this intersection. And she explores this through a Facebook page called The Artist as Educator. Dale is a force and a fierce advocate. And I was thrilled to be, to be able to finally have a conversation that I got to capture. <laughs> So take a listen to the second half of our conversation. Here is Dale Davis, episode 30, act two, artist, educator, champion. I started the artist as educator about a year ago. It's a website and it's on Facebook. And it's just talking about what you're saying now. I'm looking at all the intersections where artists are educators. Sometimes, um, I, you know, again, with Cindy Sherman on selfies. Is that education? Mm. No, it's art, but it's also educate. So I look at that and those intersections, that has been, um, as far as artists working in the field, that is really uh, uh, occupying me now too. And I, you know, I post any interesting articles on the artist as educator. It doesn't have to be necessarily in a school, it's in the community, or sometimes you could be educated through your own work. Mm-hmm. And that interested me very much, so I followed up on it. I also started one section on that web, uh, website called The Legacy Project. It's an ongoing legacy mm-hmm. um, for many people that we don't think of um, as as artists who are educators, mm-hmm. but indeed um, they have educated through their own work. I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, Judy Baca in California, Kevin Coleman and the Shakespeare Company in Lenox, um, I just, I just think of Kenneth Koch, Richard Lewis, Phil Lopate. I go through as the people who really influenced me um, and put them, put them down. They're Tim Rollins. I mean, it was Tim Rollins. A te- I don't think he used the word teaching artist, but he was definitely an artist educator who did his own. He, you know, he brought his own vision to art. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's what really interests me, too, how artists are starting their own organizations, mm-hmm. what they're doing, and how they bring their vision for what they want for teaching into their artwork and how they bring that in. So it's not formulaic, because mm-hmm. I love that creativity from that. What do you think about Chance the Rapper? Um, he's donated a lot of money. Yeah. 
a lot of the incarcerated like him very much. I love what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's putting the money back into the, the population. You know, I think what he's doing is great. Mm-hmm. I posted his things mm-hmm. on the Literary Center Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like between him and Kendrick Lamar, like I'm I'm really into. I mean, the, I honestly, I'll be honest. Like, I don't have all of his, uh, Kendrick Lamar's or Chance the Rapper's <laughs> songs, but I like, I like ha- their approach to making music, and that there is this social component and this idea of how arts is a it can be a catalyst for that storytelling, but also for change or social change, yeah. um, and and like not just through like oh i'm gonna make music and i'm just gonna donate money but actually like having a point of view and a cause for why i'm being philanthropic or why or how i'm getting involved in specific things you know like chance the rapper he went through the system he knows what it's like he knows exactly what it's like so there's something really interesting um and then the the kind of platform that you have once you do make this sort of um catapult i guess to a certain level um, being able to stay true to that, um, which, you know, that could take you all the way back to Tupac too. You know, he yes. was telling the, the stories of, that were of the now. Um, and he was a poet. Um, it, the Rose that grew from concrete. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and his whole, his whole life story. Right. Yeah, it, there's all, there's also books of his writing when he was at Donamara. Mm-hmm. Um, we drove, but we were um, up at the Adirondacks. People were saying, what do you see? And I wanted to see Donna Mora, because that's where Tupac was uh, was incarcerated. Yeah. But I, 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 he died too young. Yes. Yes. And um, the other that I'm trying to think of is, you know Chadwick Boseman? Yeah. Okay, have you heard him read the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass? I have not yet, no. Oh, ghost. I've got his... Uh, He's. I have his uh, the link to it on the Literary Center two seventeen and two eighteen. Mm-hmm. It's it's brilliant because you get often get uh, Douglas impersonators. You know they go uh, Douglas reenactors. Oh, Chadwick Boseman does not do that. He's an mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. He's young. He's reading Douglas at the age Douglas was writing the narratives. It's it's some of the best. I can't tell you every time I show that. Mm. It's absolutely amazing. I think it's, it's truly great uh, with Chadwick Boseman reading that. Okay, I'll definitely check that out. I'm, yeah, I mean, what I have, uh, my, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Um, I, I have a question for you that uh, is is um, related but not specific to what we're talking about right now, if if that's okay. Yes. Um, so I, I, you have this, um, this platform called artist as educator. You used to, you know, you were a founding member, uh, uh, of, of association of teaching artists. Whenever we talked a lot about like what we were trying to accomplish and how we were trying to, uh, serve artists, like that was a big thing. I remember you talking about like it's not just about schools it is about these different communities so wanting to you know have a have a panoply uh of different kinds of um offerings in terms of our communications to the field but i'm just curious about you yourself what would you would you call yourself a teaching artist 
or do you have a different sort of title for yourself? I, I refer to myself as an artist educator. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, because I spend time with the content. And, you know, again, it's, it's, I don't know how you get into this. Um, is it teaching artistry? I use the content of art. Um, so I think, yes, I'm a teaching artist, but I'm also, I use, I use the term artist educator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we're we're all very open to the different titles. Uh, I guess I was just curious because of the, of your, um, you know, the the depth of experience that you've had around ATA. I I was just curious what 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 you thought about that, um, because that I think that's what I'm also trying to investigate with this podcast is like titles are one thing, but the idea of like artistry being the driving force in education or in any sort of learning environment um, and what the meaning behind that can be and how it impacts people um, in different communities is, is, and ultimately what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to do is highlight people who are doing interesting work or what I think is interesting um, because from what I'm gathering, at least I'm, I'm in the midst now of trying to figure out how, you know, where does the podcast go from here? It's been, it's been running for a few years and, um, the, the, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is better understand, like, you know, what would be helpful or useful in, in, in terms of supporting the field. Um, and there was always the goal to, uh, create space for the highlighting as I do in terms of these interviews, but also um, creating space for people who are, you know, more veteran, like somebody like you who've been in the field for so long um, and people who are entering into the field to feel like they're getting something out of these conversations and interviews. Um, so I don't know exactly where I'm going with that, but I'm just saying like one, one of the, the curiosities that I have is the evolution of the field um, and when I say the field, I, I mean very widely, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, how artists engage in community and uh, communities um, and and how can this podcast be, you know, either at the at the fore of that and or supporting where it is going. Um, you don't have to answer those questions. I'm just saying, like, well, this is I, where I, think, I am. If I want you to respond to it, oh, I think please. it's very important what you're saying. Um, I think it's extremely important, mm-hmm. even more than the field. Maybe the podcast might be something that relates what's going on to art and to the art world, mm-hmm. which it's, you know, we're a separate part. And yet the podcast you're showing, these are artists who are doing these things, right? Right. It's art. I think that's what becomes very important. You know, when I started with the Legacy Project, you were on the board and we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started a, uh, on a growing legacy, I'm looking historically at artists who have done this mm-hmm. and what they have done. And I haven't had a lot of time to do it, um, but I'm trying to do it whenever I do get time. And I think what you're doing now, Courtney, is you're tying us, you're tying us with these podcasts to art. Right. And I think that's very important. Because we're not a separate, you know, we're not separate from that. Mm-hmm. Art is the core, the reason we're doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least for me, it is. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's that is that is the, that is the thing. Um, I felt, I felt, um, when I sort of stepped into this field, um, I and I sort of market 
2001 because that's when I went to grad school and like made a decision that I wanted to be an educator. Um, and one of the big things that happened for me, I hadn't been studying my theater um, for the couple of years previous to that. And the first thing that I was clear about was like, if I'm going to try and, you know, be somebody who says I teach art, I have to actually be practicing. So I started going back to class and, and doing all the things that you were talking about, seeing theater, reading all the things and, and making. And, um, I, I, I didn't feel like somebody told me that that was sort of just something that was like clear. Like I can't, I would be, a, I would be false if I wasn't practicing. Um, and then, um, again, you know, my, much of my experience was so, uh, schools focused that at that same time, you know, no child left behind was, was coming into play. Standardized testing was a huge piece of how teachers were being, um, uh, assessed, which they still are. And, you know, standardized tests, as we know, is still, um, a big, huge, uh, weighted benchmark, for students and it's not necessarily setting kids up to be successful. So we're getting back towards that idea of like what has changed or what has not changed in terms of uh, a school to prison pipeline. Um, poverty is a huge issue. Um, but I'm just thinking back to my, like, while I, when I was emerging into this field, um, I kept, I kept hearing um, so much that we as artists were having to translate so much of what we do for the educators or for the stakeholders. Uh, and again, this was much more for school specific, but I feel like there's a rebellion that's happening against that. Um, uh, and, and in a good way, um, not just from the artist side, but also from the education side. Um, and I think that what I think that I, that's, what's interesting to me is that like, as I've been going through, I feel like I've been like disrupting, because I keep saying, I want to find artists. I can teach them how to teach, but I can't teach you to be an artist. That's not my job in my particular role, but I need your artist expertise. I need to keep, um, uh, I need you to be practicing as an, as a, as somebody who's hired here as a teaching artist. I need that art because that's where the spark is. That's where the joy is. That's where the, the, the ability to open minds, as you said earlier, all of those pieces, I feel like, that I were, was doing um, to sort of subvert the standardized test situation yeah. um, and tra having to translate situation, situation, but you know, that, that kind of context, I feel like people are starting to get to that place now, um, it, whether it's in a school setting or really having a better understanding of all the different kinds of ways that we can be um, ensure that every, everybody is experiencing or has art, in their life, art exposure, art access. Um, and we have way more t places to grow into. Um, anyway, I'll step off my soapbox. I, I, but... <laughs> I think in a minute, um, Alice Maracci mm -hmm. is in New York, a muralist. I, cause right now, murals and street art is so mm -hmm. big. Mm -hmm. um, I think I just posted a piece on the Artisan's Educator about her, the renegades making feminist art in the streets. Well, Alice Maracci is a, a very fine, quote, teaching artist, unquote. But her own work now in murals, um, there's one in Rochester. She was part of wall therapy. They brought her up here to do a mural. It's uh, over near the Susan B. Anthony house. She's just a brilliant muralist. So I, I think what you're saying, too, the fields evolve, too, mm -hmm. uh, with muralists. We're bringing more street artists, more community art. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And we're big enough to do that, too. And that's what really, um, that's what really intrigues me, the legacy. Mm -hmm. Another thing with ATA, I think, is... Uh, 
with the Facebook page, when I started with ATA, I can remember telling you, um, I thought instead of posting about the organization, having it become a digest mm-hmm. where you posted interesting articles. I'm, I'm delighted now that ATA and the TGR Guild in California are moving more toward that approach. Yeah, yeah. I use that approach, of course, on, um, on the artist's educator. But again, the, you get an idea of the scope of the people when you look at uh, what they're what what are they most engaged with? Right. You know, this kind of thing. For instance, uh, another post I put a uh, hospital with big funding. Uh, artists are going in and doing murals on hospital walls. Mm. This intrigues me because mm-hmm. it's people, you know, creating again. Yeah, and taking like what could be uh, con- considered a negative space into a joyous space. Yes, and you're right. right. You're the idea of the dancer in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This isn't formulaic. This is a woman who did something because she wanted to. At least from what I, from what you said, right. that really interests me. Mm-hmm. She um, is a dancer and had a dance studio, and then built this whole nonprofit um, arm to her organization, where she's specifically going into women's prisons to do Uh, dance um and it's called dance to be free so how how would you how would you describe because that was my little like diatribe of how how i feel like the field has sort of evolved but you know i i feel like i'm i've come in the middle (laughs) so to speak um uh how would you how would you describe how the field has evolved i think your, your question is is um I think the essential one that the field has to answer right now, by the way, mm. how are we going to stay in this field uh, and keep and, and grow yourself? And I think what you're saying is this evolution. Mm-hmm. Our artists themselves who are growing and staying in the field, but not in this traditional mold. They're bringing what they know best, creativity, their art form, to change it. Does that speak to what you're saying? Yeah, I think I think that is the thing, is that we have to... The beautiful thing about arts or artists um, is that there's um, the creativity that can flow and change and or ebb and flow, I guess. Um, it, it should be the driving force behind how we move the field forward. Um, I think we're, you know, we're... <laughs> There's this thing, I don't know how to say this right, but there's this thing about like, you sort of set a system, right? And then it's like, once the system's set, boom, we don't have to think about that system anymore. But that's just not reality. Um, I think that that's, um, that's based on an old paradigm that just doesn't work anymore. The idea of assembly lines, right? The idea of, um, right. uh, you know, a, 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 um, a supremacist kind of culture that uh, wants to tick boxes and doesn't want to have to think or respond. And if you think of, or, if you think of yeah. why we entered this field, because mm-hmm. um, when I entered it was before there were graduate programs, or and even around here there aren't that many mm-hmm. graduate programs. I, I now, for instance, in Rochester, Rena Golden has opened a black box theater um, in a neighborhood in the city. So a lot of artists are doing things that are very different mm-hmm. than we did, you know, way back twenty some years ago. Right. But isn't that good? They mm-hmm. got their footing maybe in the schools, but then they went the next step. Right. 
But I, to me, these new organizations, Richard Lewis, when he started with Touchstone, mm. um, you know, again, I, I, I look at some of those who started, well, how are we going to stay here? We've got to be challenged, right? Yeah. And we challenge ourselves. I just always challenge ourselves with the problems. We, we live in this world where we want social justice, where we want to see everybody get an equal education. Well, how are you going to do that if you're an artist who's working in the community mm-hmm. and still earn a living, too, which becomes extremely important. How do you do that? Yeah. You want to go there for a minute? Um, <laughs> I did the, I did the Teaching Artist Fee Survey a long time. I think Nick Rabkin has hit on that mm-hmm. tremendously. I'm not sure how you do it. You were still entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, if you have something and you can find the need and put it all together, I think it does work. Mm-hmm. But nobody said it's easy. No, it's it's not. It's not easy. <laughs> it's and not I, easy. And the education ed- comes. Sometimes the education has, the consumer should have it. Schools need to know. One of the things I did when I worked with uh, Bosey's Alternative Education, which I think would be a model, I've tried to discuss it before, mm-hmm. is um, a principal came up to me and said, I'd like to hire you for two days a week all year at the school. Anything else you wanted to do other than those two days, you could. And that also included benefits. Mm. And I did that for several years when my kids were in college, and that was extremely important. And I think districts could do that. You know, yeah. you don't always have to change and bring in different people. Give an artist a chance to interact or embed with that educational right. system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that made a big difference to me working at the at an alternative high school that length of time. Mm-hmm. I also, again, it was an education. I got to know the students. These were kids thrown out of every place. Right. I got to know them. In fact, when I was hospitalized recently, one of the uh, uh, one of the certified nursing assistants came up to me and said, "I still remember your class at the alternative high school." <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you wonder how you reach people, but I think that's another way to look at it. how do we place them in instead of just the residency. Mm-hmm. How do we make that artist? a part of the educational system, a part of a community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I think in Rochester, Sean Dunwoody has done a tremendous number of murals, and he's very much a part of the community now. How do we do that for more artists? So we're not just bringing in the teaching artists, but this is what this artist does. Right. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think it's, I think it's, um, it's an interesting qu- question because especially for a place like New York city, right? Like this yeah. sector, this part of this region is so saturated, um, in terms of artists period. And then artists who are interested in, in working in community and, um, you know, resources are scarce. And again, that whole, uh, systemic or systems and, um, are challenging to, uh, uh, disrupt, um, but uh, recently the the New York City uh, Arts and Education Roundtable had a session that I wasn't actually at, so I can't speak to the actual content. But the title of the session was um, "Teaching Artists as Entrepreneur," which I thought was interesting. And um, yeah. uh, you know, and there's still this sort of conundrum right around how how much. Um, how much of a living wage a teaching artist can actually make, 
having to work for several organizations, not necessarily having um, the kinds of contracts that you need in order to work directly in the school system as your own company. Um, some some do, but I would I would venture to say that the per- the percentages are low between you know smaller entities or or individual teaching artists to larger institutions. Um, and then there's a question around like you know if you have uh, uh, the ability to work in several different kinds of communities. One, you have to know that that's even a thing. And then two, you know, how do those skills sort of translate uh, or transfer from population to population? Maybe they're pretty much the same. It's just the approach that uh, shifts. Um, but I'm just curious, like, those are the kinds of questions that I have that I don't know. I keep feeling like I'm sort of, one, don't have enough time to figure out how to crack Maybe I'm not the only person. I'm not supposed to be the only person, you know, and I don't think I am the only person. I'm just saying, like, I don't I don't know yeah. how to coalition. Those are the, those are the essential <laughs> questions, Courtney. Where yeah. are we going? Yeah. And that's what you're really asking. And yeah. I think that's what people need to be involved in thinking. Where, where are we going? Where do we want to go? Because if I'm a, a young woman just starting today, okay, I can work in, you know, three or four different organizations. Right. How long is it going to last with that? Where's your career? Right. That's what I wonder about, I, it, it, particularly in New York City. Um, where are you going to go with that? How, how or where are you going to go? I mean, I admire what Lauren Jost has done mm-hmm. um, with her, her own program right? and her own vision. Right. Um, is that an opportunity? Not everybody wants that. Exactly. And that's, that's something else, too. But is it there for people um, who want to build that, who, who become? I became... Um, a critic and also a strong supporter of education and wanted to change things. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Lauren Jost did. I think a lot of people, Richard Lewis, Tim Rollins, you know, people like to change. That's mm-hmm. why we're in it. But that is there, a, should this be talked about? And that's what you're doing in the podcast. And I think why it's important. So t- thanks, Dale. Um, what you're working on this legacy project. I'm, I'm curious because yes. I, I know that you and I had talked about it in different ways. Um, and I'm glad that it's moving forward and you're from, from something that I knew you were very passionate about. So I'm glad that you're doing I that. I was, yes. Um, but I'm curious about you. Like, what do you have um, a hope for what your legacy will be? Well, I'm working on that right now. Um, again, with uh, putting the, putting research together, mm-hmm. um, going through every year of working with the New York State Literary Center, where have I gone? Um, try to make. I guess to me, it's to make sure every child has a voice. Um, one of the things I see now with uh, children of incarcerated parents is doing something for prospective teachers to realize that a child who's acting out in the classroom uh, may have a parent who's incarcerated. And I will say to the inmates or to the incarcerated frequently, the child's anger is righteous anger. You're in here. Mm. Um, how, how do you translate that into a classroom so that child doesn't get labeled and put out? You know, right. so when you say legacy, yes, to me it's to make it uh, an understanding right there. And I guess the other thing is to realize one person can make a difference. Mm. My other question um let me just find it because it's a good one. I wrote it down in advance. Oh, what? Okay. 
Now you've done a lot. Like you, you, let's just go back. So you're you've started this literary center that has really evolved over time. Um, you have um, also you know been uh, a stalwart advocate for artists doing this kind of work. Um, you have all these beautiful connections with different people at the government level and university levels, um, the literary world. And I'm just curious what in your, in your life, so it doesn't have to be career wise, but what in your life are you most proud of? Oh, that's a big question. Probably my children. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) My career. Yes. And what ha- what I've accomplished in the literary center, yes. Um, and also, I have two wonderful children. You met Catherine when mm-hmm. she uh, uh, received the award yeah. for me in New York. And did how you you recalled um, you know going to the theater in the museum in the Berkshires um, as you were growing up? What about for your kids? How did you make sure arts were present in their lives? Oh, we went to New York frequently, to MoMA. And again, I'm lost if I can't go to MoMA. That's why I want to be able to travel again. Um, We live close to Niagara-on-the-Lake. We can go to theater. I tried to to bring my children into what I loved, Mm -hmm. um, which is art. Mm -hmm. I'm very anxious. Have you been to the new MoMA? I have been to the new MoMA. Not recently. It's been about a year. Um, I want to go into the new redecorating because I want to see the Frank Ringgold with the Picasso. <laughs> I think that yeah. room has to be something. Yeah. Again, I read a lot about visual art. When mm-hmm. you say, what are you most proud of? That's a question I really can't answer yet. Okay. Courtney. I love that. I think that's I've, good. I'm proud of what I've done, mm-hmm. but what, what would I be most proud of? I don't know. Mm. My mother and father taught me to be independent. And my father always said, and this is probably a no-no to say, don't be a cheerleader. Play basketball yourself. <laughs> um, that actually... <laughs> Excuse me. I love that. That actually encapsulates you <laughs> in my mind, too. <laughs> I mean you walk the walk without a doubt and and then you like talk the walk (laughs) you know what i mean yep yeah that's really that's really an amazing thing (laughs) you you know courtney when you when we're talking when i think of it from the first time i ever went into the classroom uh, i remember it was world of inquiry school i didn't quite know what i was going to do for poetry so i brought in spices from the kitchen and asked them to taste things and write about what it tasted like and all the rest of it um, I wasn't sure what until I got to know the kids. And then I used a lot of William Carlos Williams' work. But I think, um, you know, looking back at it, where we're from that those days till today is quite amazing. That mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. And I think now, with you know, with the podcast, what we're doing is this going to be another journey. Right. What's the next step? Mm-hmm. But we need minds to think about that, too. Mm-hmm. Instead of institutionalizing it, why not open it to new videos? Because we tend to want to institutionalize. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean by systems. Yeah, institutionalize. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Maybe we just got to throw it up all up. Maybe blow it all up. 
I don't know. I don't know. Any. <laughs> so, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what your next chapter is. I know that you're still uh, recovering from the surgery, but I, I imagine yeah. even though you're, you said before we were recording, like I'm, I've learned to be patient. Um, I imagine <laughs> that you're still digitally active. Oh God, I'm, I'm writing and working every day. Right. Um, I have been going over everything on the literary center mm -hmm. to look through every year what I've gone through gotcha. uh, to try to bring it all together so that when you look on the website per year, mm -hmm. you can see this is what happened the first year, this is what happened the second year. Mm -hmm. So you could see the previous work, how it influenced, um, you know, what was happening right. after that. Uh, that became, that was something. So I've been doing, working hours each day doing that. Now I'm mm -hmm. going back over some of the books I've edited of kids work they're close to 600 of those so i'm not going to go through all of them mm. but going through and putting them together and again your other question to me what are you going to do with it is it going to be a book at first i thought a book i'm not sure yet i want to keep thinking um because i'd like to mm -hmm. see that i'd like to see what's happened which i have seen happen to at-risk youth and i don't like that word but i don't know a principal david halper once said beyond risk youth i'd like to see that we stopped it we learned something from it right. And how do you, you know, get that out there? I'm not sure. Well, reviewing it, like the platform might reveal itself as you're going through this exercise. Yes. Um, oh, I had a question. I, I lost it. Oh, I was I was curious if you've had any help or, you, or is anybody helping you with this process? No, I've been doing it myself. Oh, oh I have a webmaster, yes, that I work with. Well, of course, but um, I, I meant like collate going um, through no, all the work. Oh. And I, I also have to say my husband um, is a great editor, mm. reader, and he um, we discuss everything, and um, he's, he's been a great help to me. Mm. Michael Sterenko, he's just how what we're saying, you know, how I'm going to say this, let's put it out there. Mm. Well, that's good. Um. Yeah, is there anything that you want to, anything that... No, I think everything you're saying is, <laughs> is, is important and I've enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, no, I guess, I guess uh, you know, as we're winding down, I was going to ask if there's any anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't, or if you have any questions for me. No, I, why did you start this? Mm. Yeah. Because I think you answered it earlier, but why? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely evolved since I've been doing it, the original point was that I wanted to have these conversations. Um, I tend to have these conversations, but, um, you know, they're sort of fleeting and they're only in my brain. Um, so finding a way to share them more widely, um, because yeah. I think a lot of people may, especially people who are coming into this field may think that we all, we all are know what we're doing and, um, don't necessarily, um, realize that we're constantly asking questions of the work and, and curious, but also um, need that community to be able to help push us forward. Um, so that was one reason I did. I think I would like to create a, or write a book. I'm just not a hundred percent sure anymore what it is going to be. Um, I, I kind of see this as potentially like a humans of New York, like artists of, Yes. The world. I don't know yet. I, I it's still evolving. So I have actually 
Um, that's a good idea. I, yeah, that's just of New York. Yeah, that's very <laughs> that, good. <laughs> thank you. I I I think that's where I'm going. Is I'm I'm. I've got enough content now where I've had these really rich conversations to be able to find another way of sharing this, um, maybe collated and, and edited, um, in such a way that could be a nice resource in a, in another kind of way that is still coming from the same source material. Um, I think that's where I'm going. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm still in the process. I think the interesting thing is you're answering the question about the field when you say this too. With the field going. Oh. When you do that. Say more about that. You know what I mean? No, tell, talk to, you're, tell me more. You're, you're opening up a new potential to the field. Ah. You're enlarging the vision of the field. Yeah. Which is what I think has to be done. But I think you're doing that with this. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think, I think, that's part that I think that I don't know. I don't know, Dale. I, sometimes I just start doing things and I'm like, I don't, what, what's happening? <laughs> Who's doing that? Oh, it's me. I'm, I'm the one. Oh, okay. Um, but that's art. But that's what art. You don't, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing to you get there. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, again, these conversations are really helpful. And then to contextualize them, like what's happening in the world when we had when we had this you know very interesting conversation how does that uh uh get folded in or threaded through um is is a question for me um but yeah i think that's where i'm at like i have a i actually am going to um a two-week retreat in the in the mid like late winter uh in 2020 to figure out like some artistic projects and and this idea and the podcasts are definitely in the um, on the list of things to sort of map out and figure out um, as as we uh, move through time. <laughs> I mean, I always think if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Mm. Uh, you know, these are these are again very strange times. It's been very difficult working in, and this is a, a whole other thread. It's been very difficult working with the incarcerated with what's going on in this country today. Mm. We're trying to give them hope that there's a, a future out there. Right. And, and that's it's because that I think even teaching today as a teaching artist, you're going into a school, you know, where they have the, uh, uh, you have to worry about the drills, all the rest of it. It's a uh, different world, Courtney. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do we express that? As artists, how are we in education? How are we reacting to that? We're not doing the same thing we did five years ago or ten years ago. Right. Never mind 20 or 30 years ago. It's a different world. What are we bringing as art to react to that? I did a whole newspaper, Food for Thought, uh, with the Literary Center, where we did their writing on poverty and what it means. But we have to, I think we have to get our students to react to this world. Mm-hmm. The only way we maybe can make a change, and that may be too idealistic for me to say, but I still believe we can, even though mornings I get up and wonder, oh, God, please. Yes. But that you're bringing up an interesting point. I think you said this earlier, too, about um, getting the learners that we're working with to respond to 
what's happening in their own lives, what's happening in the world, using the voice that they have through arts, whatever that art form may be, to be able to express that. Um, and I'm, I, I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but I'm curious, I think maybe because you, you sort of mentioned the world and what's happening in it. Um, what do you, if I'm not, if please tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe that sometime this year, sometime this year, um, there was this big sort of announcement, whatever, whatever has happened with that, I'm unclear, but that there was this big announcement that the, there was, um, a congressional movement and the president was, um, behind it to change and overhaul the, um, the prison system. But I don't know what's happened since then. I know Van Jones was very in, in, integrated in in the process and was very pleased with whatever that announcement was but do you know do you know what i'm talking about you probably know yes much i do more know <laughs> yes, I do than know. I do. And, and again there it's more and more about and i i try to when we uh when we're talking about i'm very active with the marshall project too which i think is an excellent um publication online uh, but i and we have to be aware of that but again you can't how to do everything. Prison reform, I can think of a lot. I'm a strong advocate for education in prisons. I put about Cornell, Bard, everything Mm -hmm. to offer opportunities to them. Again, how can you, if you uh, don't think critically, if you don't think analytically, and you're locked up, when you get out with what's happening, how do you deal with the world? Mm -hmm. They say that on the videos, too. The inmates talk about how that's what we do all the time. But you have to, Courtney. Right. These are individuals going out into the world. How do we get them to... And art's a great way to do it. It's their own writing, too. Mm-hmm. And reading. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would do completely... If I were to do Raise It in the Sun, I would do it like that performance. And you have to completely say it to the audience at the end to make that audience think. It's more than entertainment. Let's involve you. Hmm. There are no answers, are there? Mm-hmm. No, but I think asking the questions is a start. I do too. I do too. Yeah. And I think what you're doing maybe will give this field what it needs because it needs a big shot in the arm now. I think. Mm hmm. To say we are a field, we have done something. Right. This is what we've done. You know, I, somehow a shot in the arm just so that we're recognized. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I. You know. I had. Um. I had a different uh, artist on uh, earlier this year, who is the director of what the Constitution means to me. Um, uh, have you seen yeah. that? Have you seen that show? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard about it. I haven't seen it. I'd love oh, to see it. Yeah, I, I got to see it when it was off-Broadway and then again on Broadway. Now it's on tour. It's in D.C. Uh, and then it's going on tour. Um, and uh, one of the one of the last sort of bits of conversation that – his name is Oliver Butler um, – uh, that we had was that I had uh, uh, gone to this medium party. I don't know if you believe in any of this, but like – one of the things that sh- that the person told me was um, 
that one, like before I even like sat down, she was like, you are a communicator. You are an artist and you're a teacher. And I was like, okay. Uh, and uh-huh. then she goes, what do you do? And I told her, she's like, it's perfect. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and then one of the, one of the things that she said was that, um, you know, there's a big, a big paradigm shift is coming our way and that I, you, me, I have something to do with that. And she's like, and that could be really small or it could be quite large. I'm not, I can't quite tell you that, but, um, but you know, it, it's interesting to me because, um, I feel like the podcast is a part of that, whatever that thing is in terms of the paradigm shift. And I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it's clear that we are in one, but That's you know, where it's, to say to you, though. I agree with what she said. <laughs> well, oh, thank you. I, I, no, I have definitely have felt that. So that's why I'm telling you this. Like I, I felt you okay. saying that, but what I, what's hard is that you don't know what you don't know. Right. So you don't know, I don't right. understand what, what this is or how this is going to help shift things. But, um, but those questions, that inquiry, that curiosity, I think is what helps to poke at things and, uh, poke and prod as it were, and not create institutionalize. Right. So there's, I think there's, um, it's, it's, it's hard because it's messy, right? Because there are this, all these unknowns, um, and you're not, you're not always sure. And you may, you know, um, brush somebody the wrong way, but unintentionally, hopefully. Um, but, but those, those sort of like keep pushing at things and like tugging at this thread. <laughs> I'm using too many metaphors, but you know, this no, that's true. <laughs> that idea is, is, um, what helps to move us in, in have some movement. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm curious. I, and I want to keep having these conversations and reading more is, 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 is very, very important staying on top. But I think the big thing from, from my perspective, both at, in, in terms of the podcast, but also in my role at, at um, the, the new 42 and new victory is, um, uh, to build, um, space to, to, to carve space that feels, um, open enough to explore, open enough to ask questions that we don't have answers to. Um, uh, and that, you know, and also this, um, this other question that I'm having in terms of like really building like inclusive spaces is huge that I don't, I don't, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, um, in terms of, the theater and um, our education programs and that kind of thing and how to um, help our teaching artists continue to grow their uh, abilities to be responsive, um, culturally responsive, but also, you know, responsive in the moment to, uh, um, and plan to be able to be responsive. That If that, if that, if I'm making sense there yeah. anyway so those are the big swirly things that are sort of swirling around me is like how do I do my job with that you know is my full-time job how do I also do all the work that I'm interested in doing in terms of supporting artists um, to do their jobs and to be their best which also includes thinking about livable wages um, and, and and strategies for and, and also best the freedom. teaching if you're a young artist and you're going in and you're doing this school then you're going to do enough school you want to make sure you're going to get the money. You don't want to offend anybody. Right. So you're not going to take any space either. So right. how do we give them that right. that sense of security? You can take the space. Uh-huh. I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So like we, 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 (laughs) this is why I do enjoy talking to you because there's like all these questions that you just sort of throw out there and it's like, oh, there's no, oh, look at all those questions. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll like look at this one and twirl it around and see if I can make any sense of it. I don't know. I think that's a good thing. It's really, it's really. Yeah, I just have the court go with it. <laughs> Thanks, Dale. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. You are on to something. Yeah. Well, uh, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk Please to me. Please let me know what you keep doing with this, okay? Of course, of course. And if I can help you, let me know. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, good, good. Um, please go forth in good health and good joy and love and light. Um, yes, thank, thank you. you. And I finally, I'm, I'm back because, you know, for a while after the surgery, there's a lot I could not do. Right. Um, and that was very hard to accept. But now I'm doing things on my own that I hadn't done before, oh. and I really like that. Oh. <laughs> well, you are the basketball player, so. Yeah, I was all Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Yes, I was. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, thank you, Dale. Honestly, thank you, you for... you know what, Courtney? I yeah. always thought I learned more on the basketball court than anywhere, because as a woman, in the basketball court, you wanted to win. You didn't have to defer to the boys. Yeah, man. And that's an important lesson. Mm-hmm. I played field hockey. Okay. I was, the, I was a goalie. I came into sports pretty late actually um i moved into a neighborhood when i was almost 11 and all the kids were super sporty and um in order to like fit in i had to learn how to play uh (laughs) softball and i i sort of was like okay god i'm really i don't know how to throw like i wasn't good in gym so i like learned how to throw i would like practice how to catch I practiced how to hit. Like, I would do all these drills for myself. Underhand or overhand? Overhand. 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 Both, but overhand. Okay, good. Uh, Well, because it was like softball, but it was like with a tennis ball. You know what I mean? It was was baseball, basically, but with a tennis ball. Um, And I needed to learn how to hit because, you know, all these people, there was this, like, lot at the end of our little street where we would play and I'd always get, they'd be like, Oh, I'll take Courtney. And so I was like, okay, I want to be like where people are excited to have me on their team. And so yeah. I got a drill. And so I learned. So by the time, so I was not quite in middle school at that point, I was elementary. And then by the time I got to high school, I sort of was like, Oh, look at all these different sports. Like I didn't even know that hot field hockey was a thing. Um, lacrosse. Like I, I didn't know any of these things. I knew about soccer. I knew about football and baseball. That's it. Um, and bowling. I was on the bowling team too. (laughs) Um, What kind of balls? uh, What kind of pins? Handle pins? Regular pins? I think it was regular pins because we would go to a bowling alley. Because um, in Massachusetts, we had candle pits. Oh, no, we'll no. keep going. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, so one of my friends was on a field ho- field hockey, and I went to go see her game, and I was like, this is fascinating. How do you – what? I don't even understand what I was just watching. But they needed a manager. So I ended up – like in 10th grade, I ended up being their their – not manager, but the person who like took the score and like – supported the coach. Um, and, and, and then the following year he was like, I think you should play. And I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. He's like, I think you'd be a really good goalie. If you're not afraid of the ball 
and you know how to catch, you can learn everything else. Cause I was like, I don't understand this game at all. <laughs> and so I never actually learned like all the details of the game, except for what impress, like what was important for the goalie to know. But yeah, I was never afraid of like putting my body between the goal and my, and the ball, which was a hard, like a, a hard ball, but you had all those padding. Anyway, yes. my point is that, um, I understand what it takes to be in, 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 on a sports team and the concept of like women, women's sports was still, you know, like, a like, I'm curious actually from your point of view, like, what was it like to be, you know, on sports? Like, did you feel like it was, a uh, like looked down upon or was it encouraged? I loved it. I didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't looked out upon. It wasn't equal to cheerleading. It wasn't? I also want you to know, through Billie Jean King, I got sent to tennis camp, too. Nice. She used to have a magazine called Women's Sports, Uh and she wondered about these tennis camps, so I got sent to one in Amherst, Massachusetts. (laughs) Wow. So I've always loved athletics. That's why now, you know, with my back for the past couple of years, it's been very difficult. Of course. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm I never knew that I was an athlete until until I moved to that neighborhood and then was still sort of resistant and then I I loved being on that on all the different teams. By the end of my senior year, I was I played every season on a different sports team and had my varsity jacket. <laughs> I got my varsity letters and um, I, what I liked about it was the camaraderie and the sort of, mm-hmm. you know, what I talk about a lot in terms of collaboration and, t- and ensembles, like teamwork, supporting your team, everybody having a role, everybody working together, like how important that <laughs> was. And then the community itself of like camaraderie and sportsmanship and, um, you know, working really hard. That was all really um, important and it actually helped me to enjoy high school because freshman year I was a mess I really was like I could have gone many at different points in my like elementary middle and high school experiences I could have gone a very different route <laughs> but I there was always something that sort of pulled me back in whether it was the theater or um, sports or you know the, the, it, I think it's really important um Anyway, I do. I love skiing too. I mean, I, I could come home from school and put on my skis and go right on a ski slope behind the house too. Oh, skiing wow. was a big, a big sport too. My sister was God rest her soul. She's been dead for a few years. My younger sister. She was very big in theater. Every time I went for theater, they always gave me the parts of the mother because you're tall and you look, you look, you know, you could be the mother. Whichever uh-huh. whether you could act, it was you look like you could. You're tall. You could be the mother. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I still love theater. I mean, oh. as you know, it's my one of my prime loves <coughs> is going to the theater. Yeah. I love Niagara. We saw two plays at Niagara on the Lake this summer. I, I, yeah, I do. It. I miss not getting to New York. I miss not. It, it's very hard. I hate to say that because I, I do love this area and I love living in the Finger Lakes. But again, I want to see that new MoMA. I wanted to see the Whitney Biennial. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. You, you need that to feel alive. And that's what keeps me going. So I've got to get back down there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you will. Cause I know you're a hard worker. I you're am. doing your physical yes. therapy. And when you get an idea in your mind, you go for it. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to episode 30, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Dale Davis, artist, educator, champion. Join us next time for a conversation with Lucy Wallace. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John O. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the brand new pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry. The gram at teaching artistry with CJB. And now on YouTube. Check out the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and enjoy the hashtag Keep Making Art video series. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.